Hello and welcome to the Jersnet podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans, by fans, and where the content is absolutely free. This evening, uh, David Wren, and we are coming live um, tonight, as always. But if you're a fan and um, you maybe want to listen back uh, through the week, we are on all the usual uh, podcast platforms, Acast, iTunes, uh, Castbox, Stitcher, and Spotify. So you can get the podcast there. You can also also subscribe to to what we're doing here and and give us a like on social media pages. we are reporting on a win, another win um, tonight and, and joining me to dissect that and the other uh, comings and goings this week are um, Ross and Ian, who will help me go through last night's last night's victory against Hamilton. We'll also touch on any sort of transfer uh, rumours of the week and um, a couple of other things that have, that have gone on. Um, so first of all, Ross, how, how, how are you? How did you enjoy your, your weekend? Well, that's a bank holiday, so only 50% through the weekend. So, you know, bank holiday weekend, three points, top of the league. I'm in a, I'm in a very good mood. Well, that's actually the most positive I've ever heard you. <laughs> I think it's the, the, the luck of this sort of podcast scheduling is that I'm always on after a really crap result. So, I'm you know, I'm feeling really good this week. I'm going to talk about how good we are. No one's ever going to catch us. For the next two weeks, at least, we're several points clear at the top of the league. It's a good day. Ian, you're, you're joining us again. Um, how, how are you? Excited to be back on. Back on especially with two of, the, two of the real stars of the show as well. Yeah, great to be back on. Good to see another win. Uh, I've been on holiday all week and I'm off tomorrow. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good weekend, basically. I think that silence after I said two of the stars of the show referring to Ross and I, well, <laughs> that, was actually, that was actually quite fitting. Um, I just, I just had a, just had a glitch there, just as you said it, and I, yeah, I, I just didn't quite catch. I, I must have, I thought I'd, I'd uh, misheard what you'd said. So, yeah, well, um, we'll go straight on to last night's game because I feel like even even though it was a comfortable victory, there's still quite a lot to unpack from 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 the game. You know, it was it was fast and furious start. Um, two early goals, uh, two and a half time, but really didn't. Um, didn't kick on so much in terms of the goals, Ross. Uh, but certainly, I mean, certainly a good performance. Yeah, it was it was a good performance, and we've we've struggled on artificial pitches in recent years. So to go two goals up after twenty minutes, um, possession stats were off the chart. You know, it was it was very very comfortable, and I think there was a maybe a certain degree of the players thinking, right, well, this is already wrapped up. They're not going to cause us any problems. We've got an international break coming up. We're top of the league. And they, they maybe just, just eased off a wee bit and, and looked after themselves and didn't take any risks. But I think most of the players actually acquitted themselves really, really well. I'm sure we'll come on to some individual performances uh, in a moment. But the, the team's settling really, really nicely. And, and again, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the record of the clean sheets and everything. But, you know, it's, it's an incredibly strong start to the season. And it was just a very composed, very self-assured performance yesterday. And 
was saying off air there that there's, there's there's been a wee bit of negativity following the following the game that we weren't more clinical and we never put them to bed. But look, we're we're scoring goals, we're keeping clean sheets, and we're racking up points. I, I can't really ask for anything more. And um, Ian, in terms of you know the team selection there, Hadji came back and made a mark certainly with a goal. Um, but what did you make? I suppose what did you make of 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 his performance to, to, to begin with in terms of individuals because I think you know he, he's come in for a bit of criticism um, so far this season. Did you think that he was back on form or do you think there's still a wee bit, wee bit to go? I think there's more to see from him but I, I mean I know he's been getting a bit of stick and you know he's maybe not been the, the massive impact instant impact player that people maybe were hoping for but I mean this type of player he is, I think he's one of these guys that could, you know, do not an awful lot for 85 minutes, but, you know, a f- couple of bits of magic will, uh, will uh, sort of pull a, a victory out of the bag. So, you know, he's got a goal and that's going to help his confidence. And I think, you know, I, I think he's doing okay. I mean, I think, you know, there will be times if we've got the squad, there will be times when he can be rested or or left out and uh, somebody else can come in and do a job in his place. And if, if you know, he goes off the boil, then that's a fair enough uh, approach to take. But, you know, I think we, we need to be patient with guys like that. It'll take a wee bit of time to settle in. I know he was here the second half of last season, but that was kind of shortened somewhat. Um, he, you know, he's still getting used to the pace of the Scottish game or the... Uh, not so much the pace, but the, the the frenetic nature of the Scottish game, I think, and the, some of the the tackles that he, he still uh, gets are are probably still going to be a bit of a shock to his system. So you'll have to adapt his game to that. But you know, I, I think he's he's progressing okay. Ross, in terms of, I mean, you and I were on the were on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when we drew with Livingston, obviously in that artificial pitch looked like we struggled. Um, struggled that day, you know, to, to come get the grips with the surface. But I mean there was no real no real issues there. I think to be fair to Hamilton, I think their pitch is is, is a bit better than the one at, at Livingston. But certainly I mean it didn't we we used it to our advantage yesterday, I thought. Yeah, and and on that show a couple of weeks ago we all kind of agreed that we have one of these artificial pitches at Auchenhowie and there's no real excuse. So we, we, we seem to do well when we go to Hamilton, which is you know it's it's a real relief because you compare it to Rugby Park and to Tony Macaroni and, and and maybe it is a better quality of pitch, but it's also probably a, a lower quality of opposition. So it, it, it's pleasing to see a good result. I think that the, the result has something to do with the way that that Brian Rice sets his team up as well. I think he's always a little bit more ambitious than than Gary Holt or uh, Alec Dyer over at Kilmarnock. So look, we struggle on on plastic pitches at Livingston and Kilmarnock but we've always done quite well when we go to Hamilton and I don't think really if, if we'd struggled yesterday and picked up a poor result I certainly don't think we'd be looking to the pitch for any excuses. Just just to stay on on that point obviously it's um, you know the, these sorts of games were the ones last season Ross I'll stay with you on this one um, where we came unstuck not so much Hamilton but I mean these tough sort of away games small stadiums um, and we seem to have sort of got over that a wee bit in terms of you know yesterday we, we just came out of the traps really quickly and and I think that's maybe something we didn't see often and, and 
in some games last season, uh, but still maybe lacking that real killer killer edge to 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 really um, score more goals and, and and kill the game off completely. Yeah, I mean that was definitely a, a hallmark of our season last year was an inability to put smaller teams to bed and and maybe struggle to get fired up for the game and last season one of the main themes of the podcast was talking about the mentality of the squad and then obviously that was kind of reflected in in Tavernier's own program notes three quarters of the way through the season when when he admitted that the squad was struggling mentally to to cope with the pressure this season yeah I think I think a, a lot of it has to do with momentum and and winning breeds confidence and and I think the whole team takes a lot of confidence from the the number of clean sheets and and the the inability to concede goals I think has made the team incredibly confident and it, momentum cannot be understated in in football and in Scottish football in particular and actually I think that's why it's a great shame that we now go into an international break um, and it's it's great that so many of the squads have been selected for their countries and are, are going away and representing the team within the international setups. Um, but the momentum that we've generated in these past six games is is phenomenal, and you know I I don't tend to watch Celtic games and I didn't watch them today, but I did watch them against Ferencváros and I've seen one or two of their games this season when they've been on on the telly, and they don't look like a great team and they look like they're struggling for confidence. So you look at the kind of almost the the mental difference between our squad and their squad at the moment, and it's it's fickle and it can change, but. We seem to be in a very, very strong place mentally, which mentally, which we have not been able to say, uh, probably up until this point under Stephen Gerrard. And the momentum's been a real factor in that. So it's it's almost a disappointment that we're heading into the international break now. Um, Ian, when you when you look at, I mean, as Ross mentioned there, the mentality of the team seems to be a lot better this season. What what do you think? What sort of part is are the experienced players playing in that? You know, we've got a lot of guys in the team now that. Have have been part of successful even successful Rangers squads in the past. Um, how important has it been, you know, to for them to maybe get across to the to the new lads that what it takes? Because obviously last season was last season and it was cut short as you as you mentioned earlier. Um, but obviously the, the stakes are so high this season for for us. Um, you know, do you think that the experienced players in the squad have, have had a, a point a, a part to play? Sorry. Um, and getting that 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 mentality right. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm sure they have. Uh, you know, guys like Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor, and uh, I suppose even uh, uh, Ryan Jack are, are important to the, to that. But um, it's to me, if if there is a an improvement in the the mentality of the squad, it's possibly just coming from the young guys themselves who are learning on the job basically you know I mean, maybe last season they, they didn't realize what what the what it meant or what you know what the significance of it was uh the, the, i'm sure they, they, they quickly did when things started to go wrong after christmas and maybe hopefully if they're the right type of player the right type of mentality they will learn from that and take it into this season i mean it's probably a bit early to judge because you know things only really started to go wrong quite far into last season so I think at this stage last season or last year we were probably sitting thinking similar thoughts and hoping that things had moved on from the year before so I, I'm not going to you know, 
be negative about it, but I also don't want to count our chickens too early. So, you know, I, I still think there's there's bigger tests to come than, than what we've, we've had so far. Um, but, you know, so so far so good. Uh, let's hope the guys that, you know, that lost a wee bit last year have, have learned from that. Um, and, you know, not just the players, but the, the, the backroom staff as well. I mean, Stephen Gerrard's still learning as a, a manager how to manage his, his, his squad and his players. So, you know, hopefully he's learned from that and, and, and come up with uh, new approaches and new ideas. Um, Ross, you, you mentioned earlier, but this, this sort of, I suppose, falls into the mentality theme as well. But, you know, an incredible start defensively for the team, you know, six clean sheets on the spin. Um, there's been a mix of centre-half partnerships. Uh, Goldson's been the only one that's played every game, but, you know, it's been a pretty incredible run and to, and to get to this stage of the, the season and still not concede a goal. And really, when you look back, there's not been a major amount of chances for, for teams either. You know, it's not been a, a case of a, a fantastic goalkeeping performance keeping us, uh, keeping teams at bay. It's been a it's been a pretty special um, run of games for us. It it really has, and you know, thinking back to the game yesterday against Hamilton, obviously McLaughlin made one very very nice save from a set piece where he kind of claws it away just off the line. Um, but other than that, he didn't have a lot to do, and I think it obviously we can talk about the keeper and we can talk about the back four, and and I'm sure we'll come on to kind of the, the centre half partnerships, which is a really really interesting question. But also, I think a lot of praise has to go to uh, yesterday. Obviously, it was Ryan Jack and Stephen Davis and Glenn Kamara has been in there you know, towards the start of the season as well. Um, they've done an excellent job of screening the back four and allowing the fullbacks to run on. And I, I think they've kind of they play that role incredibly well. They're very, very disciplined. They're very solid and resolute. And I think, you know, I spoke earlier about confidence. I think if you are a centre-half or a full-back and you've got those two guys playing in front of you, it gives you the confidence to play with a bit of freedom. And I think that that confidence is why we're not seeing so many defensive howlers. You know, we know that Tav has a howler in him. We know that Goldson has a howler in him. And we're not really seeing that so far this season. I think it's because they're playing with confidence. Um, now, the back four will, will have a lot of rotation, I think, throughout the season, um, particularly in, in the centre-half position. And we have four very, very good, very capable, uh, arguably, sorry, five very capable centre-halves. Obviously, with Katic out injured at the moment, and I expect that we'll see some rotation in that position. But in, in this day and age, you cannot overstate how impressive it is to get six clean sheets on, on the trot. I mean, look at England last season, had one of the most impressive campaigns from a championship-winning side in, in Liverpool, and, and they never got close to having six clean sheets on the bounce. Um so it's it's a it's a really incredible achievement to get here, and we've played obviously a number of teams that put a number of goals past us last season. You know, Kilmarnock, Livingston, uh, Hamilton themselves, and obviously Aberdeen. They all found the net against us with with some regularity last season. So it, I, I think it's fair to say there must have been a significant amount of work put in there on the coaching uh, by the coaching staff and on the training pitch. And I'm delighted to see that pay off because I haven't, as a fan, I've not been able to have confidence in the Rangers' defence. I mean, thinking back to Warburton and Davy Weir and, and the lack of confidence that we had, but that lack of confidence has kind of been permanent throughout the last four or five years. So to get to the stage that we are today, is it's a, 
it's a real achievement by everyone playing in the squads, but also to Gerard and his, his team. Yeah, as, as Ross mentioned there, Ian, obviously Balogun started the, the season with, with Goldson. He got injured and he's back on the bench yesterday, but, you know, Hollander and Goldson have literally impressive as well. Um, Ross suggested there that, that you know, there, there could be a bit of um, a bit of rotation perhaps as the season goes on, but who for you, you know, who would be your, your starters um, in, in the most important games? Who's impressed you? I think probably I would be going for Goldson uh, and uh, Hellander uh, because I think although Balogun has uh, looked very impressive, I think we're, we need to look for uh, consistency longer term and he's possibly only been brought in as uh, not a stopgap as such but you know for the, the shorter term so I think these are the two guys that we'd be looking to to the future but I think we're, we're lucky in the mo- at the moment because I you know looking at the list you know the five that we've got Goldson, Balligan, Hillander, Edmondson and Katic uh, you know to be quite honest I would be quite happy with any combination of probably pretty much any combination of any of them, really, to be honest. Um, I thought Edmondson was unlucky to lose his place when he did because he's had uh, you know, the, the last, or towards the end of last season, uh, I thought he looked good, uh, and Braga particularly. Um, he had a really good game over there. Uh, Katic, obviously, unlucky with his injury, um, but again, is a you know has, has a lot of potential there. Um, and uh, uh, the current incumbents are, are, are strong and I think Goldson's always going to be the, the guy who will be the first pick because it's not just so much in these defensive abilities but he he's I think seen by Stephen Gerrard as being one of his leaders and um, one of his organisers on the pitch so I think he'll always get the, 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 the shout if he's fit and available um, and then it's really just going to be a case of uh, pick one from four, but uh, yeah, but I think we're we're in a good position in in the centre half, uh, you know, in terms of the defence, and that, that that helps because in the last couple of seasons, there's always been that sort of feeling that we're under any time that uh, the the opposition started pelting balls into the box, we were under serious pressure, and you always felt that there was a danger that. Ball was going to end up breaking to someone and, and end up in the net. Um, I haven't seen that at all this season. You could argue that maybe the opposition hasn't been great, but you know I've, I felt a lot more confident watching uh, in the odd occasions that the other team has uh, ventured into our uh, penalty area. I've felt a lot more confident this season than I have done in in the past. So you know th- things seem to have uh, improved, and as uh, as Ross said, I think they must have been working on it in the in the the, the close season. Uh, and, and trying to put some things right, and that, you know, it's a lot of it's to do with organisation and uh, and just concentration. I think more than anything. I think if if we looked at a, a position, you know, anywhere on the pitch that, that probably didn't need strengthened in the summer, uh, I think it would have been fair to say it would have been in goal. You know, um, Ross in terms of Alan McGregor, he's been fantastic since he since he came back, but obviously injured at the start of the season. John McLaughlin came in and hasn't you know hasn't put a foot wrong. Uh, you know, Frankie had mentioned it on Twitter today. I saw um, about his distribution, which has been fantastic too. Uh, what do you think the future holds for that position? Do you see McGregor getting back in, or do you think McLaughlin's now going to be the number one? Well, I mean, hopefully the f- the future holds a bit of a scrap. 
and two, I think we have two excellent goalkeepers there who can push each other to, to be the best that they can be and, and, and that benefits the club. Um, I think McGregor has probably not felt real competition for his place ever since he came back. Um, you know, Wes Fodringham is a very capable goalkeeper, but we all agreed that he wasn't Rangers' number one material, uh, certainly when McGregor came back. So I'm glad to see him have some competition. And, and McLaughlin's done incredibly well since he, since he came back in. We said earlier, he's not had a huge amount to do. Um, he made a very, very smart save today from, from that corner, uh, sorry, yesterday from that corner. But other than that, he's not had a, a lot on his plate to deal with. I just hope that, you know, it it breeds some healthy competition between the two of them because I suspect that McLaughlin was was sold the move by saying, look, you're you're gonna start off as number two, but work hard and you can you can have the shirt. And he's taken advantage of McGregor getting an injury. I think what's good about this is that we we did need to have some form of contingency planning because McGregor's not gonna play forever. And this could well be McGregor's last season as a number one at Rangers. Um, and, and McLaughlin has shown himself to be very, very capable of stepping up and doing an excellent job. Um, so, so what's good is that I know there was a little bit of discontent or maybe questioning when John McLaughlin signed, and I think he's silenced all of those critics by showing that he's he's incredibly capable, he's very competent, and he's you know he's not conceded a goal yet for Rangers. And considering the number of games he's played, that's that's an incredible achievement. And um, Ian, do you think it'll be quite difficult in McGregor's, you know, situation to be looking at, you know, perhaps one of his, as Ross says, you know, one of his last seasons it could be, um, and there's a chance, you know, that he might not get back in because of the performances in McLaughlin. It would be interesting to know what was what was sort of going through his head because McLaughlin was obviously in the, the media today saying that, that McGregor had helped him so much since he came up, you know, become a better goalkeeper. It's going to be an interesting season for McGregor because there's a there's a chance if these performances keep going, we keep 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 clean sheets the way we are, you know, that that the opportunity to come back in might might not arise. Yeah, I mean, I think personally that McGregor will be the first choice, um, and I think he'll come back into the team and will be the number one for as long as things are are going to plan. Um, so I know, you know. He's he's out at the moment. He's coming back from injury, so I can understand that. And maybe, you know, bringing him straight back in uh, at the weekend would have been the wrong decision, especially as we're about to go into a, a, an extended break. Um, but I do think his experience, his presence, his uh, uh, you know ability to pull off you know match-saving saves or match-winning saves uh, will. Unless you know things, uh, you know, he suffers injuries or, or whatever, then I think he'll be the first choice. Um, that's not to say that you know McLaughlin, you know, hasn't done a, a decent job, but he's not. Uh, you know, as we say, he's not really had much to, to do so far uh, in terms of uh, saves. Uh, but you know, you can only deal with what's uh, put in front of you, and, and he's he's coped well, and he's he's looked confident. And you know, you can you know the thing with goalkeepers is that you know. Doesn't matter whether you're making saves or not. If you if you don't have the confidence of your uh, defence or the rest of the team, then it, it shows pretty quickly, and suddenly uh, mistakes happen, uh, whether the other team are are doing well or not. So he, there's never not been any sign of that at all. So he's looked confident. He's you know he's looked a great backup. I still think 
I still think McGregor will be the first choice. Um, and, you know, I, I think he's proven so many times uh, that, that he's uh, that he's outstanding. And, and, and you know, unless he's lost something in, in the recent weeks, which I don't think he, I imagine he has, then uh, then he he would he be my first choice. And I think he might be uh, Stephen Gerrard as well. Who, who do you think Gerrard? Just say you hearing him. How do, how do you think Gerard sort of broaches that subject? Because obviously, I don't know if there's been conversations had with McLaughlin or whatever when he signed. You know, to say that he would be playing back up to to McGregor, but having having done so well, and as you say, you know, he's not a, a great deal, deal to do. But he has made a few good saves. His distribution has been good, arguably better than better than McGregor's. You know, do you think there's already been an agreement there that that McGregor would be number one? I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I don't know if uh, I, I, you'd be holding yourself uh, as a, uh, you know, you, you'd be leaving yourself a wee bit open there if you if you did that, do that and say that because I suppose that would uh, put you under pressure as the as the coach not not to make decisions or to, to make certain decisions. So I don't suppose you could make that promise, but or or make any sort of promise to to either of them. Um, I just think, I mean, it's a difficult, I always think it's a really difficult uh, role uh, being a goalkeeper at a, a club that's got a, a, an existing successful goalkeeper because, you know, you, you have to kind of hope that, well, to get into the team, you either have to hope they get injured or, or they have a few howlers and, and you know, most players don't really want that on either of those. So it's, it's a difficult one for, for the players themselves and it's, it must be difficult for the coaches as well to, to keep them both happy. You can't really just rotate, you know, game to game. You want the consistency. <clears throat> sorry, consistency there. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine that he said yeah, he's going to be the number one, and you're really only going to be uh, sort of backup or standby. But at the same time, he's probably you know said, well, this is where we are just now, and it's up to you to to, to make that uh, position yours. But again, you know. I mean, he's done nothing wrong, but equally, McGregor's done nothing wrong either. You know, he's just been out injured, so he's, uh, you would expect him to come back in. Um, Ross, in terms of, you know, that's that's a, a good selection headache to have, but I think there's, you know, most people would agree there's still maybe a couple of positions that are possibly an issue for us. Um, yesterday, Brandon Barker started uh, second start in a row. He... I thought he I thought he played well against Kamarnik the last week, um, but I thought yesterday that his confidence just looked shot. You know, within the first 20, 20 minutes or so, I think it was clear to see in the second half um, with the chances that he missed and, and just a lack of confidence um, on and off the ball. I felt that I'd be I'd, I'd be interested to see if Gerald continues with him. In a couple of weeks' time against Dundee United, but what what did you make of first of all Barker's performance, and do you think that the that position, you know, that third that third position in the front line, you know, behind Amin striker, whether that's Roof, Itten or or Morales and um, and Ken, you know, that third position it's still not really nailed down for someone, and we're not really sure when Hadji's going to play. Uh, on a consistent basis. So, what what did you make of Barker, and do you think it's a do you think it's a, an issue in that position? Well, Brandon Barker generally, I, I won't pretend that I'm a big fan of him. I, I think that 
he's it's a slightly weird player for us in that he doesn't he genuinely just doesn't really seem to have the quality that the other players have. You know, you look around him, and it's Ryan Kent or Yanis Hadji, Joe Aribo, you know, Kamar Roof, Alfredo Morelos, some really really quality players, and then Brandon Barkley kind of just sticks out as not being quite naturally as good as the rest of them. But but maybe that's unfair. You know, obviously. We keep getting reports that in training he's the best of the bunch and that he's he's setting knock and howie alight, but he, he just doesn't quite do it on on match day. And obviously, you know, last last week he was good, but that's the first time in over a year that we've said that he, you know he was good. Um, so I I genuinely I don't really know what he brings to the team. There there certainly hasn't really been any any end product so far. I mean, he contributed uh, last week to one of the goals. Um, the, the Ryan Kenko kind of came about because of Brandon Barker taking the ball and, and driving at the defence, but that never really happened yesterday. And you're right, he almost seemed to get worse as the game went on. And, and I'm I'm kind of hesitant to be overly critical of the guy, but he just doesn't seem to have the same quality as the other players around him. And it's, it's slightly strange. So I think that there's possibly a vacancy or a spot there for someone else to come in and, and make that place in the team his own. Obviously, I think the team yesterday would have looked quite different had certain key players been available, you know, had Cedric Itton been fit, had Joe Aribo been fit enough to be risked on that plastic pitch. Would that mean that Barker would have dropped out? Maybe maybe Hadji wouldn't have started, I don't know. But going forward, I mean, look, it's a long transfer window, obviously up until up until October and there's there's plenty of time for comings and goings and we know following Gerard's comments yesterday that there will be more comings and goings and that's great. Um, obviously we've seen a, a couple more shipped out in the last couple of weeks. Brandon Barker, I, I don't see him surviving this transfer window and maybe I'll be eating my words on that and I, maybe he'll he'll stay and, and he'll have an excellent season but you know he's an attacking creative player and okay, he's he's not had a great deal of game time, but he's only scored one goal for Rangers, so he's he's really not setting the header light. And and I I think that whilst the team is playing well, Steven Gerrard is taking this opportunity to give Brandon Barker the 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 best opportunity he can. Yesterday he he did not take it, and he was certainly the weak link. Last week it was a good performance; he did well, but the team played well last week. Um, so I don't know. It's a bit of a mystery. I know there's a lot of folks saying they don't understand why he's playing. I don't particularly understand it. I, but then I guess you know we also we still have players like Jordan Jones on the books, Greg Stewart on the books, who again they aren't really at that level of quality. And I think this is a gap that the management team will be looking to plug with a bit more recruitment up until October. Uh, Ian, just just to stay on that point. Um, interestingly, Ross just said. Something I was I was going to mention there, you know, we do have guys that, for all for all people think about, you know, John Jones and, and Greg Stewart and, and Brandon Barker, they're all of the same sort of ilk. But it doesn't seem like like Stewart and Jones have had that opportunity that Barker's had in the past couple of weeks, you know, um, and even you know he's even been brought on this season sooner than 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 some others. Do you think, you know? Is it, is it a case that these guys aren't up to the required level and it's a, we need to go and, and get more strength and depth? Or do, do we start giving, you know, maybe Stuart and Jones a bit of an opportunity, you know, to to 
do something in the team because obviously last season Jones uh, got injured quite early on in the season after getting sent off against against Celtic. But before that, I mean, I think people maybe forget that he, he was the one that put in the, the great cross against Leg Warsaw. Uh, made an impact in that game coming off the bench. Christchurch's shown, you know, with Kilmarnock especially in Scotland and Dundee, um, that he's got a lot of quality, uh, natural ability. Do you think that we'll see Gerald give them more of an opportunity or do you think that his mind is made up in, in many ways on, on the, those players? Just just in the in terms of Greg Stewart and, and you know, Jordan Jones in terms of, you know, their abilities, what what do you think? Do you think they can they can fill that that, that space as well? I think I think so. I mean I mean, I appreciate I've just spent three or four minutes talking them down there, but I think that there's also an argument to be had that players like Greg Stewart, Brandon Barker, Jordan Jones, Glenn Middleton, still got Glenn Middleton kicking around on the books. These players should be good enough to to beat the majority of the dross in our league. You know, you should be able to put Glenn Middleton and Jordan Jones on against teams like Hamilton and 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 come away with a comfortable result. So I actually, I appreciate that if we have these guys on the bench, there is a significant gulf in quality between your starting 11 and your replacements on the bench. But they should be good enough to do a job against 70, 80% of the sides in this league. And when it comes to your Celtic, your Hibs and your Aberdeen, maybe that's where it's a bit more questionable, a bit more marginal. But I think that there's still a role for them to play. But I think that at the same time, when you have Yanis Hadji and Ryan Kent either side and you stick Brandon Barker in the middle, one of those three sticks out like a sore thumb because he just doesn't have the quality of the other two. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And in terms of, I mean, we've mentioned them, you know, briefly tonight. But obviously, Ryan Kent is of, of interest for Leeds United. Um, Ian, there's rumours of a, a £15 million bid coming in this week. Whether that happens or not, we shall see. But when, when does it become too good to, to defuse? What, what, what sort of price are we looking at when we, we have to say, you know, we can't, we can't turn, it, turn it down? Well, I think, you know, every player has his price and you'd be naive as, you know, to, to say otherwise. But, you know, I think Ryan Kent this season is going to be a key player. Uh, and he started the season well. Um, if he keeps that up, then he will be uh, arguably our most important player uh, this season, especially if uh, if Morelos does leave. So, as as an individual player, then he, he's the one we're, we're pinning all our hopes on. So, I think you know every player has his price. I don't think we should be even entertaining anything under twenty million, uh, even if we got that for him. I don't know necessarily that we would get a player that we could bring in straight away that would have the same kind of impact that he's potentially going to have this season. Because, I mean, the, the thing about uh, Kent is that he's you know, been, been on the books for a, a while now and he's sort of gradually improved over the, the piece. Uh, everyone can see the potential he's got. Um, but uh, I think this season, hopefully he's sort of, you know, recognised it himself in some ways, and and is is taking it, you know, grabbing it by the by the, the neck and and just uh, and going for it. And you know, it, even if you know that's you know a couple of seasons it's taken for that to to come. Even if we bring in someone else, unless you pay really big money for 
for proven quality, then you're always sort of running the risk that, uh, that that player needs a settling in period. So we really don't need that this season. We really need players that are you know, ready-made quality, and, and he, he is that, and we, we need that now more, more than uh, than we have done in the past. Uh, so I wouldn't really want him to go at all, but if, uh, you know, I think we'd be look, you know, we should be looking at big money for him. Um, apart from anything else, you know, he's not long since he was on the books at, uh, at Liverpool, and he's he's played elsewhere in England. He's he's proven uh, in, uh, in Europe uh, for us. Uh, he's, you know, we, we paid whatever it was, seven million for him not that long ago. So, you know, the English market is, is what it is. And, you know, you, you'd be, you know, 50 million doesn't, doesn't sound to me like a realistic uh, price for a guy uh, with that kind of pedigree. Um, so I would be definitely looking at minimum of 20 before we even uh, open any discussions with Leeds or anyone else. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that he's not going to be going anywhere. Can I just jump in on that as well, David? I think that a, a huge amount of that will rest on what happens with Morelos. I, I mean, if, if we get significant money for Morelos, then the appetite to turn down bids for Kent really increases. And, and that kind of, at what point does it become too good to too good to refuse? Well, if we get rid of Morelos, then that puts us in a very, very strong position to turn down much larger offers. I think when you look at him, though, you know, in terms of Kent and, and what he offers the team, you know, he's a, probably been our most important player Um and he would probably, you know, he'd be a massive loss. But you look at Morelos as well, and I, I think this is something that maybe not been touched on a great deal uh, in terms of the fact he has been such a talismanic figure for us over the past the past three years. Has scored a lot of goals. Um, has been top goal scorer for the last three seasons. And you know now it feels like, and myself included, I think most fans. I've written him off in many ways and said, you know, maybe we're better off without him. But Ross, in terms of Morelos and what he's given us and the goals that he's given us, and you know, he's he scored so many on such a consistent basis. And then if he leaves, you know, Roof and Itten are still settling in. You saw that yesterday with Roof. He has got a lot of quality, but he's definitely still finding his feet a wee bit. Um, is there a worry that if we got rid of Morelos so hastily that you know, would 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 be left with a lack of that sort of proven goal scorer in the, in the team for us anyway, and certainly in the Scottish League. Yeah, but potentially, I think that's a really valid point. We don't know what Kamar Roof and Cedric Itton are going to do in terms of stats and output, but I think this is where it's more important that we start chipping in with goals from the creative midfield players, and we've seen that obviously pre-season and carrying into the season from Ryan Kent and Joe Rebo. Uh, and, and, you know, I was very, very happy for that reason to see Yanis Hadji get a goal today, uh, I keep saying today, get a goal yesterday. Um, I think now we're in a better position than if we'd lost Morelos 12 months ago. We've got, obviously, we, we don't know, like I said, we don't know what Kamar Roof and Cedric Hitton are going to do. And it's very unfortunate for Ritten to get injured now because it, it kind of, it means that he's almost gone back to square one, two weeks off now um, because of the international break. So, that's a shame for him, but he was scoring goals in a very, very competitive Swiss league. In a team, you know, St. Gallen, they came second in the Swiss league and 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 that was above, you know, some very competent, established European football clubs in Switzerland. So I think the Swiss league is, I mean, I certainly don't think it's weaker than the Scottish league. So he's, he's been knocking in goals over there and that's a good sign. 
Kamal Roof, we know, has proven quality that got him removed from Leeds to Anderlecht. Um, we, we've seen flashes of what he's going to bring and we know that he's a few weeks behind the rest of the squad. So hopefully this international break comes at a very good time for him and he can work on his fitness and his match sharpness. But what's more important is the fact that the creative midfielders are going to chip in with goals. I think we've seen it certainly yesterday. Ryan Kent has been given a directive to get the ball and get it to the goal, whether that's setting something up or having to go yourself. And, and Tavernier's goal yesterday came because of that, because he picked up the ball, he was positive, took on a man and put a shot on the goal. And, and Tavernier's there to, to, to mop up. Um, I think given the, the creative midfielders, the wingers and, and whoever it is that takes the Brandon Barker position, giving them the license to have a goal and giving them the encouragement to have a goal and not over-rely on Morelos, um, that gives me a little bit of confidence that if he does go, the rest of the players will realise that they need to replace those goals. And the, the early signs from this season, I think, are positive on that front. Yeah, Ian, just to just to touch on Roof um, and his performance yesterday, he he was another one that sort of seemed to get a lot more frustrated as uh, as the game went on, just with the, the chances he was missing. He had that great chance in the second half late on, and the head was just under the bar, um, which went over, over the top. Uh, but he seems to bring, and this was something that I had touched on back when we were first linked with, with, you know, he offers so much more than just goals, I, I think, personally. You know, in the way we play, he does open up the team. In terms of, as Ross said there, bringing in the creative midfielders and bringing in the, the fullbacks um, through his movement and his ability to, to use the ball and use himself as, you know, a decoy for, for other players to, be, you know, to gain more space. On the pitch, do you think that in terms of that signing, you know, and if Roof is going to be the, the main focal point of the attack, that that was maybe something that uh, Gerard looked at when he when he brought him in because he does offer so much more than just you know goals. Yeah, I mean that, that you know the way we play, the way we set up, and you know that is key to it, isn't it? I mean, he has to be able to link with the the, the midfielders and the other the other attackers. Um, I mean, the, the thing about Morelos, just to go back to him, is, you know, I think we'd all agree that in an ideal world we'd want him to stay, but the, the, I think the way he, the fact that he's been written off is more to do with the fact that he doesn't want to be here. And, you know, the nature of the, or what appears to be the nature of the, 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 the his personality is that uh, when he doesn't want to do something, then, you know, it's, not quite down tools, but you know his his attitude changes completely. So, uh, you know, I think everyone really just wants the players that we've got to be playing to the the best of their given everything and uh, training and on the pitch. And you know, I think there's a perception that that Morelos isn't doing that. So we, we might as well get rid of them uh, sooner rather than later and, and focus on the guys that we've got. And it, you know, he offers an awful lot more than some people think. He's not just about banging goals in. You know, he, he links up a lot, but we've talked in the past about how he comes back deep into mid to, midfield to pick up the ball and, and, and work. And, you know, that, I think, is, is quite an important uh, element of what we'd be expecting from our front man. I don't know if, if you know, if... Uh, if uh, Morelos leaves, whether we'll have a different approach or, or whether we'll stick with the, the same uh, uh, tactical approach, whether that was based around what Morelos offered or whether it's, um, you know, the, the 
how Gerard wants to, to approach the game and, and he will make the, the players fit into his system. Um, but I still think that uh, we'll bring someone else in to play up front uh, if Morelos does go um, and another midfielder perhaps as well. Um, so we're a wee bit, even with the two new signings, we're still a wee bit short, even with Defoe coming back because I don't know how much he'll be able to contribute this season at the, the, the top level. So I still think we'll be looking at someone else coming in. And so you don't you don't know who that's going to be. Is that going to be someone as a, a backup or is that going to be our first choice striker? So, you know, uh, I'm quite you know quite interested to see how that that will turn around. But I think Roof is you know he's he's a guy with, with proven quality, uh, but he's new to the team. And what I was saying earlier about new guys coming in sometimes, you know, it takes them a, a while to to settle. So um, you've got to hope that that he settles quick. But um, I think the signs are good. But you know, Etten I've actually been more impressed with uh, than, than Roof so far. But maybe that's because they're further ahead in the, uh, he's further ahead in the uh, fitness stakes. Ross, obviously, Defoe still to come back as well. Um, chat being from Gerard uh, through the week that it could be for the United game. Does he still have a, a role in, to play in the team? Yeah, I think he, he has a very important role. I think he's proven himself very, very useful at coming on and, and uh, grabbing goals off the bench. He's not going to play 90 minutes. I think I'll be amazed if he ever plays 90 minutes again in his career. I think he probably also has a very important role behind the scenes. Um, I think he will do a lot for the the younger lads in the team, a huge amount of experience. Um, and I think that he's one of those characters that any manager would want to have in, in his dressing room. So, look, I don't expect to see his contract being extended once this is up. Um, but I still think we'll see, you know, possibly five to ten goals from Jermaine Defoe this season. I think he's still one of the most naturally gifted footballers in Scotland. Um, and and I, I can imagine that he'll be a real mentor to a lot of the younger lads in the academy. So I, I'm certainly still very, very glad to have him on the books. Yeah, one player we no longer have on the books as of yesterday is Jamie Murphy. He has gone to Hibs in a season-long loan. Um, Ian, what do you think happened with Murphy? Because obviously without injured... Um, Gerald's first season, and then it just never really happened for him under under Gerald. Do you think that he was? Do you, do you think he was unlucky, or or, or did he did he really have to move on? Because obviously we've seen, as we discussed, you know, in depth a minute ago, Barker, um, Stuart, and Jones remain at the club. Could Murphy have, have made an impact? I don't know. I think he's one of these uh, players whose whose face just didn't fit, and then for whatever reason, we, we, you know, you, you don't know what goes on. Uh, on the training pitch and, and behind the scenes. So, you know, I just think uh, Stephen Gerrard didn't take a, a fancy to him, basically, as a player. So he just didn't uh, didn't have any long-term future uh, at Rangers at all. So, you know, I think it's a... I'm, I'm never particularly keen on uh, helping strengthen other teams in our league, especially the teams at the... The, the, the ostensibly our uh, competition so uh, I was a wee bit disappointed that he went to Hibs same as I was a wee bit disappointed that uh, McCrory went to Aberdeen but you know you can't stand in these guys way if uh, they, you know they're entitled to to get the best move they can if that was the best move they could get then you know they're entitled to go for that uh, but I just don't think uh, that Murphy had a had a future at all um, he was you know 
probably if you, the three we were talking about, you would have been behind all of them in the in the pecking order, and and I do think that they're at least at least one of them, and probably two of them might be going as well in in the in the transfer window, or at least in the next transfer window. So, you know, he was way out of the out of the, uh, the chances of uh, of playing. So, uh, I think for whatever reason uh, that that's. Uh, yeah, His time I think, was up. Yeah, you know, Ross, in terms of Gerard, we've seen, as Ian mentioned there, you know, Murphy's gone now, McCrory's gone, Lafferty's said in the past that, you know, he was quickly, um, you know, removed from, from the first team picture. Do you think that there's obviously quite a ruthless streak in Gerard and, and when he decides that, you know, a player isn't? Going to be part of his squad, he, he seems to make it quite um, a quick process to, to move them on. That is maybe something that we've not had for a few years in terms of a manager um, and someone that, that can make decisions like that based on you know the performance of players and, and where they fit into into the, the particular system. Yeah, I I think it does come across as ruthless, particularly you know there was a great deal of hope placed on on players like McCrory and uh, and Greg Doherty and I know that there's been you know quite a lot of regret and sadness at, at McCrory and Doherty being moved out um, so it does in a way come across as a little bit ruthless from Gerard that once he's made his mind up about a player that's it and that's certainly kind of the the rumour that comes from Open Howie is that there's a number of players that Gerard has just decided they'll never play for me again and that was McCrory, Doherty, Murphy Jordan Jones, allegedly, that you know, desperate to ship out of the club. I suppose that actually what's changed for us this season is the incoming of Ross Wilson, um, who actually seems to have a knack of moving players on. And I, I don't think any of us are expecting that any of these players have been moved on for any vast sums of money. It's probably you know a couple of hundred thousand pounds here and there. But that's something that we never really saw before. We would usually just see players running their contracts down and, and then leaving for nothing at the end of it. You know, think of the last couple of years we've had Andy Halliday and John Flanagan, amongst others, moving out in that kind of way. So I think, actually, I, I get the feeling that Gerard for his first season or two and, and then going back further under Murty or Kaishinia or, or Warburton, there probably was that desire to move out maybe some of the deadwood and some of the less high-quality aspects of the squad, but just weren't able to do so, weren't able to find buyers or, or convince the players to, you know, to terminate the contracts and, and move on. Um, and I think actually that, look, like it or not, and, and I know there's been a lot of discussion about Doherty and McCrory in particular, and, and obviously a lot yesterday and today about Jamie Murphy as well. Like those decisions or not, they're certainly getting stuff done. You know, they're certainly moving players out and, and making space in the squad, making space on the wage bill to try and bring more in. And um, it's the manager's prerogative, you know. Obviously, McCrory and Doherty and Murphy were, you know, a lot of fans were very, very fond of those players. And they certainly, I think Murphy and McCrory in particular had some real highlights playing for the first team. Remember the excitement when Ross McCrory burst into the first team? It was... Um, it was a very, very exciting time. So a lot of player, a lot of fans have a real fondness for those players. But look, it's Gerard who sees these players day in, day out on the training pitch, and it's his prerogative. If they're not going to fit in his system, if they don't meet his expectations, then it's it's his right to move them on. And I actually think that Gerard has kind of earned our backing in that regard. And I'm, I'm not 
happy to see homegrown youngsters move out the door when I thought they had promising careers, particularly see them move to clubs that could actually come back and damage us. You know, I watched Aberdeen versus Hibernian today and um, I mean, maybe I didn't watch it, maybe I suffered it, but McCrory was the best player on the pitch and, and got the man of the match award from Sky. So it's, it's a shame to see him move to another club that could really harm us. But like it or not, Ross Wilson and Stephen Gerrard are certainly effective at moving these boys out the door. McCrory one's a strange one to me because and I don't really think he, you know, I don't think he's done anything, on, certainly on the pitch, that, that I've seen him done anything wrong. He's always he's always looked uh, confident. He's always looked uh, competent. Um, but then he went down and loan and got played out of position or got played in the, not in the position that we were expecting him to be played in when he was uh, down in England. He played, I think he ended up playing it right back uh, when he was playing. Um, so that would maybe suggest that even elsewhere that he, he others didn't think that he had quite what was required to play in the positions either at centre half or uh, in, in sort of holding midfield that people expected him to play at so he ended up getting sort of shipped out to right back now maybe I'm wrong in that I, I could, I, maybe other reasons for that happening but you know I wonder whether that's that he's, he's simply not not the player that we all hoped he, he was. I mean, you know, that, that might be as simple as that, but, um, but you know, the, the, the Gerard will make these decisions and they'll have to live or die by them because, you know, fans will look at, you know, maybe understandably thinking, well, how can that guy get shipped out and you keep this guy and play him uh, and he's terrible. And, you know, that's, that's how, you know, that's how the manager has to... Uh, these decisions he has to make and face up to, and you know it's quite easy to point to situations like that regularly. Uh, and, and you know players always get better when they're not in the team, as they, as they say. So um, it's a you know it's a difficult one to prove otherwise. But um, yeah, uh, the McCrory one, uh, I was I think is surprising, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does go up and have a, a good season in Aberdeen. Um, uh, but. You know, I suppose it's down down to the manager to make these decisions, and he's got to live or die by them. But moving moving on, the Europa League draw um, takes place tomorrow. We will be in that draw. Uh, some of the teams that are, that are in it with us are, are progress again. Um, Czech who've also faced uh, Lincoln Red Imps of um, the beat Celtic a few years ago. Uh, some others that. You know, we haven't faced one-legged ties, Ross. Um, so that takes out the, you know, the normal format we'd be used to. Do you think that's a, an advantage or a, or a disadvantage to is the fact that, you know, it, it's not really on seedings in terms of who goes, who gets the home leg. It's just who luck of the draw, really. So it's going to be tough. Um, and especially given that we only finished the, the previous competition about a month ago. Yeah, uh, to me, one-legged tie puts us at, uh, you know, in, in a less strong position. I think I'd back us to beat any of those clubs over two legs, but 90 minutes of football, anything can happen, as, as they say, and, and that's been borne out in, in relatively recent history in Scottish football with, with ourselves in progress, with um, uh, Kilmarnock last year getting beat by the team from Wales. Uh, and obviously a few years back when, when Celtic lost over 90 minutes against uh, Lincoln Red Imps. It's, 
you know, anything can happen, as I say, in, in, in 90 minutes of football. And, and you'd prefer maybe the, the safety safety net of a, a second leg. Um, the way that these draws work, as, as has been in the past, is that uh, we get drawn into sort of a pre-draw group the, the night before. And, and it seems that that's, that's taken place this evening. So I, I've just had a message uh, just while we're on air now saying that we've been put in a group with three other teams that we will we will get one of the following three teams. We'll get uh, Lincoln Red Imps, who we will be very, very familiar with, and hopefully that uh, we'll be able to maybe show up our, our friends across the city by uh, embarrassing them and, and putting a cricket score on Lincoln Red Imps. Um, FC Servette from Geneva in Switzerland, which would probably be quite a, actually quite a tough draw. Um, and a club that I'll struggle to pronounce, but FK Borak Banja Luka from, from Bosnia and Herzegovina. So, again, it, if we're playing a, a single leg 90 minute tie in which we're having to trek over to deepest, darkest Bosnia, that's never going to be an easy tie. So, um, look, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's hugely exciting to be getting started on another European campaign, especially one that's so soon after our, our the the ending of our last European campaign. Um, I'm very much looking forward to getting started. And whether it's Lincoln Redim, Servet or Borak, Banja Luka, we should be we should be able to progress quite comfortably against any of them. I note as well actually that Aberdeen are in a wee pre-draw group with Progress Niederkorn. So again, that could be another another little interesting one to look out for. But as I say, David, I'd prefer it to be over two legs, but um, I'd also prefer for fans to be in the stadium and for, for everyone to be getting back to the normal, but obviously that's not happening anytime soon. Indeed, but you know the, the Europa League draw gives us something something to look forward to, especially with international break. Um, just all that's left tonight is to, to thank both Ross and, and Ian for their, their company and thank you for listening again. Please uh, subscribe to, to the podcast and give us a like on, on social media. Even get, let us know your thoughts on, on what we're doing and what you'd like to see. Um, as we do in the future. Um, I think all that's left to say is, is good night and thanks for joining us.